So the real question is, is once I hit start stream, am I already streaming? Yeah. No, it doesn't yeah. show up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> Just curious. Yeah. Yeah. We're live, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm pretty sure this doesn't actually fade out. It doesn't, does it? I don't know. You really need to... I should have got, like, glasses instead of bottles to drink. Yours is almost empty. You be okay? No, I'm fine. Alright. Hello and welcome to our live stream episode! Woo! <laughs> I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ryan. This podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. First of all, I want to say for all of you, thank you for joining us. Um, we're really happy to have you, and we hope that uh, you enjoy the show today. But before we move on too much farther, we want to we want to let you know ways that you can be our heroes, ways you can help and support our show. Yes. Um, first, the easiest way is just to visit our social media accounts, you know, give us a like, like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, favorite, like our posts, etc., etc. Um, but if you'd like to go one step further, one really good way that you can help support our show is by using our Amazon affiliate links. Oh, definitely. If you head over to our website, um, we have in the tools section, if you scroll down a little bit, there are a bunch of links to a bunch of different tools that you can purchase that will enhance yeah, your game. Yeah, and they're things that you're going to use anyway. Dice, towers, right. mats, dry erase markers. We have a book section that's got all the book adventures that yep. you can get if you haven't picked them up yet. Yeah, we have a rotating tool of the week. Currently, it's called like the Bucket of Monsters, yes, I think it is. I haven't, I haven't used this one, but I actually got a previous one. Um, yeah. And this one's actually pretty cool. It comes with like little tiny Frankensteins and some Godzillas and yeah. and some werewolves. And they're about two inches, so they're yeah, a little bit bigger. Minis, but the but... base is well, they're bigger than normal minis. They're like two inches tall. Oh, they're uh, two but inches. their base, but their bases are about uh, one point two five, I think, as their well, diameter. It's so a little huge. bit bigger, but um, still something you can use. And what's really cool, um, what I've done with mine is. You know, I've taken a little bit of black paint and went over them again and started brushing them and giving them a little bit of pizzazz. Yeah. So, very cool. And it's actually uh, on sale right now for, like, 50% off almost. Yeah, so. it's not bad. Yeah, um, definitely. So, yeah, you can, you know, help support the show by using our links to buy stuff you're going to buy anyway. And then, of course, we've got a really exciting news. We're our, on Patreon. Our Patreon launched today. So yeah. Today, yeah, it did yeah, go out today, I didn't went it? live today. Um, so, um, we really... Wanted to give you guys something special, uh, a way to kind of get a behind-the-scenes look. You know, subscribing to our Patreon, you'll get to interact with us during our show when we're recording. Because normally we release our show, you know, in advance. Uh, or yeah. We record it in advance and then we release mm -hmm. it. This way you can watch all our fumbles and all our fuck-ups like we're going to have today. I have no <laughs> doubt. Um, and kind of interact and get some little input and ask us questions as the show's progressing yeah. as opposed to just listening to us as an afterthought. Absolutely. Um, and so we're super excited about that. Swing by, you know, patreon.com and Crit Academy and check us out. Um, and, of course, it wouldn't be uh, Crit Academy if we didn't give away stuff. That's right. So we have... First, we have Goblin Stone. And thanks to Goblin Stone... Everyone, every member of Crit Nation has a chance to win an amazing prize every week. As you guys know, every episode we draw one lucky subscriber's name and they win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned. We're going to do stuff a little differently, though, today. While we have selected some subscribers, we're going to randomly pick uh, a hero or a winner from 
any listeners who stick around to the end. So it could be you. Mm-hmm. So a little bit about uh, Goblin Stone. You know, they're, uh, Goblin Stone's a community project uh, for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals and turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to really get their stuff published. And actually, we had an interview with, with Benoit, Benoit. Yeah. and he has a whole discussion uh, that's going to release next week that really talks through the process that he went through and some of the lessons that he learned that he you, mm-hmm. he's sharing with you guys to kind of help you get to that point where you can you know, publish any content that you have. Yeah, he's a great guy. It was, it was a fun conversation, and I think he had some good insight on the process of trying to get work published and mistakes he made and mistakes he yeah, so good things he did, mistakes he made, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So you'll be able to actually yeah. avoid those mistakes yeah, thanks exactly. to Benoit. See, he makes a mistake and you learn from it. Right. Is it like Grant? <laughs> um, so we will be picking uh, a winner for that later uh, near the end of the show. So stick around. Yep. It'll be out of the pot of viewers that we have. Um, so awesome. We want to uh, thank you for joining us today on our live stream. You know, this. Is... We want to thank you today. <laughs> for joining us on our live stream uh you know crit academy studios where everything's made up and your roles don't matter yep that's (laughs) right your roles are like a live show with no viewers (laughs) i hadn't actually read that joke yet (laughs) so let's make sure that we don't fall into that category shall we let's do it (laughs) um kind of to go through the today's highlights on our show we got a pretty interesting show we'll obviously go through um, Crit Nation feedback where we actually hear back from a guy named uh, Jellyman is me. He uh, has a question. I love re- these names. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? He has a question in regards to resistances. And then, of course, our main topic is player archetypes. We love player archetypes because we all know that player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, we follow up with our unearthed tips and tricks. And we got some pretty good, pretty nice goodies for you today as far as uh, our UTTs. And, of course, we will also give away uh, another um, we'll pick another person for Lore Smith's Claws of Madness giveaway. Yep. So definitely, once again, uh, stick around. And at near the end of the show, we will pick uh, of our viewers, uh, making the, hopefully the pool not as big, I guess, as our, uh, yeah. as our uh, subscriber base. But uh, kind of encourage people to hang around, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but before all that, we discuss in the realm where we talk a little bit about our what's going on lives. in our lives right now and... What's going on? Ryan, what's going on with you? Well, um, for anyone who's played the game Munchkin, I've played it a lot, but I never, I didn't own it, so I just bought it, and I took it to school because in the language lab I work at, we have a lot of time we're just sitting around doing nothing because <laughs> there's only a 100 or intro level Japanese class twice a week, so the other two days, there aren't even a Japanese, there isn't even a Japanese class, <laughs> and this semester we've only had one student come to the lab. So I spend a lot of time just doing my homework or doing nothing in the lab. So I took Munchkin in, and oh my god, bad mistake. Bad j- I, I created addicts. <laughs> you created monsters, huh? Every day I walk in, Ryan, you bring Munchkin today? Hey, Ryan, you got Munchkin? Like, <laughs> and as soon as I walk in, they're like, do hey, they, you have it? Do they threaten to uh, kick down the door and stab you if you don't <laughs> yeah. bring it in? And so they immediately want to start playing it, and then like they want to play until we go. And so uh, sometimes I'm like, okay, guys, you can play. I can't play. I have to do homework. Like I, 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 got, I have stuff to do. You have to do adulting. Yeah, so I've been playing a lot of Munchkin lately. <laughs> Love Munchkin. It's a great game. Very it is. Very cool. It's Highly fun. recommend it. Yeah. I do have one One of my friends does, like, because it's, Munchkin's all in good fun. 
Of course. You can't take the game too seriously. But I have one friend that really does not like losing. <laughs> and he got really mad at me one day because I won in the most BS way possible. Oh, yeah? I was I, I started the turn at level 6, and I won. I, uh... How the hell does that even happen? So I was a cleric. You know how there's that divine intervention card? Yes. So... <laughs> I fought a monster that gave me two levels. I fought the dominant genie, which gives mm-hmm. you two levels. So I went up to level 8. And when I drew my treasure... I drew a level up card and the wand of dowsing. Oh, nice. And so I used that level up card to go to level nine, and I used that wand of dowsing to go through, and I was a cleric, and I picked the divine intervention card and replayed it, hit level 10 in one. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I went from level six to ending the game in one term. He wasn't very happy. Oh, I'm sure he's pissing but... ready to stab his buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 like, it's a lot of fun. You know, I love screwing people over yeah, and just and seeing like, the crazy For those of you that, that don't know, uh, Munchkin is, you know, I think the whole motto is uh, loot the room or stab, stab your butt. Kill the monster, loot the room, stab, stab your, your buddy. buddy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just a huge spoof on, like, serious RPG role-playing. Like, right. It's very silly and over-the-top. And Pretty just sure, fun. like, one of the cards is, like, the gold bikini is, a, like, a high-level yeah, piece one of armor. Them, it's a, uh, the mace of stabbing, and it's just a hammer with a dagger tied to it. <laughs> <laughs> or there's the helm of courage. It's a bucket. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, what about your realm? Um, I'll be honest, uh, I've been really busy trying to catch up on recording stuff and getting all our podcast edited. We did that one shot for Crit Academy Trials, uh, that aired a couple, uh, yeah. recorded a couple weeks ago, and I'm getting, just now getting into actually editing that and adding the audio and stuff for the uh, one shot we did. Um, definitely take a, uh, swing by and take a look at it. Fortunately, it is cut into two episodes due to some issues. Yeah, so some technical to, problems. Yeah, like, you know. Internet, internet crashing. <laughs> <laughs> it was not so my We were all just in the Skype call. What happened? Because <laughs> you so. froze in the funniest position. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't take a screenshot of that. I should have. Um, <laughs> no, you shouldn't have. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it's was. it been busy. We went to ShooterCon. Uh, I heard that. My wife and I oh, and I her that. sister and stuff are big in the anime. I had a couple friends go, too. Um, actually, I think I shared something on our page that showed my wife and all the villains were standing up over the heroes, like they had just killed them all, and I'm like, you know, I think the quote was somewhere along the lines of, this is what happens when level one players go take on the big bad, and they're like all eviscerated. So, um, it was a lot of fun, I enjoy it, I love, my wife dresses up a lot, and she looks really hot in it, so, um, yeah, there's that. (laughs) One of my friends actually was at Shudo, and they got in a really serious car accident on the way home oh no are they yeah, okay they're all okay she had a gnarly bruise on her hip gnarly but really? at age 20 you're using gnarly <laughs> of all the words you could choose and uh so but they were they both they all brought like three cosplay outfits each mm-hmm. and so when they got in the car accident they were wigs and outfits everywhere and she asked the cop, she's like is this the weirdest accident you've ever responded to and they're like yeah it, it is because they were all dressed up <laughs> yeah they're all dressed up and there's like wigs and everything everywhere it wasn't but too bad though right? no they're all okay the car is really messed up but they're all safe so well, that's glad. what matters that's that's what's you know you don't want people getting hurt so anyway moving on to our second segment let's talk about blank today we have the redditor jellyman is me and he says, do you describe damage resistance to your players? How do you describe oh. damage to resistance to your players? It doesn't say how on this. You know what? <laughs> anyway, how do you describe damage resistance to your players? And I'm assuming he means if, a, if an enemy has damage resistance. Resistance, yes. Um, and I, I would assume. am usually pretty vague about it. 
I'll just okay, say you, you don't know, make it super a, obvious yeah, that if, they're resistant. Yeah, and a lot of times metagaming will kick in, and they already know. Like if it's a red dragon, they know it's resistant to fire. But if for some reason they cast a firebolt at the red dragon, I'll say yeah, you know it hits him. It kind of absorbs into his scales. You don't, you're not sure why, but it doesn't seem to be as effective as you expected it to. Right. And I'll, I'll just say something like that. I'm not gonna be like he's resistant to fire. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, I'm pretty. Uh, I kind of got a little two different ways I do it. First, I start with the description. For instance, with like werewolves, they're resistant to all non-magical, uh, weapons. non-magical weapons. So when you know my players engage them, let's say in a one-on-one with a sort of blade, and their blade cuts into them, it usually will get hung up or cut into their fur. And I'm very careful to describe that it doesn't feel like it had the impact or the damage you expected it would to, yeah. or expected it would. Um, and you're very surprised by that. Or if they, if we make it so many rounds and they haven't caught on, I'll have them make a, a an intelligence check that you know you feel like your weapons are not as effective or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of in between on both. I think it's very important when something's resisted that you try to make it evident to your players. Right. Because otherwise they won't change tactics. Um, and that can lead to them getting killed. In this case, with a werewolf, you know, if they're hits taking half damage, it's already powerful as hell. It's gonna, you know, end up mauling these people and maybe infecting them with the the lycanthropy, which is bad in and of itself. And it goes both ways with yes. vulnerabilities too. You know, if they're fighting a vampire, it's super and, effective. <laughs> yeah, they cast uh, what's that? Searing light, I think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, because vampires are resi- or vulnerable to radiant damage. Okay. Um. So I'll say, yeah. You know, the beam comes. This beam. This beam of light comes down and it sizzles its skin and seems to do have a much larger effect than you're used to seeing. This you've you've cast a spell dozens of times. You've never seen it affect someone quite this way. Right. Um. You don't want to just come out straight out and say, yeah. Well, he's vulnerable to ra- radiant damage. So, <laughs> uh, you 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 do a double damage. No, you want you, you kind of want to be a little vague about it and right. don't just like straight out yep he's vulnerable to it you're good or he's resistant to it sorry yeah kind of hint at it yeah and i I do think it's important to make sure that you make those distinguishation uh distinguish that from normal combat and normal damage um whether it's describing it it, the blade doesn't cut as thick as you think it should or something along those lines so well thank you very much uh for your question uh jelly man is me we I hope that, that we yeah, it's a wonderful name we get a lot of we get a lot of those people who got very creative names so we really hope that you enjoy uh or uh, we answered your question so yeah. moving on to our main topic player archetypes we all know that player you know that guy. they all fit in some they can all be categorized they can all be judged they can all be put into their own little groups and as a player, it helps to know what type of archetypes other players are because you can help feed to that. And the same thing with the DM. It's important to know what the group makeup is or what the players want. Mm-hmm. What is it they want out of yeah. the game? Because if you're going as a DM, if you're going to be feeding that information to them or feeding that game to them, you want to make sure you're feeding what interests them. Right. You don't want, you know, uh, an investigator to never get a chance to investigate, you know. Yeah. So we have quite a few different archetypes. I think we have like six or seven. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're kind of silly. It's kind of silly and and, jo- and jovial, but it's also, you know, th- these are also how to engage these types of players. Yeah. And, so and we're gonna avoid we're them. gonna basically hit on three main points. We're gonna give you the the type that they are, um, a little bit about what makes it that cl- that classification. Um, how do you engage that classification? And more important thing, what things to kind of avoid With in them. that type yeah. of player. Um, our goal is not to start a war here. Um, <laughs> uh, we know this doesn't encompass everything, and we know not everyone isn't 
all-encompassed in all of them or in some of them. I'm a little bit from column A. I'm a little bit from column B. Yeah. But it's important to kind of understand those so that you know what it is you want out of your game. If you got a game, a group full of people who just like to investigate, you don't want to throw dungeon delve after dungeon delve after dungeon delve mm-hmm. with none of that in it because it's not going to be fun for them. So right. we're hoping that these guidelines will help you really deliver on what it is content it is you want to give to your players as well as if you're a player if you know that that guy over there is the big power gamer guy and he wants to get all the best weapons and optimize his character and everything that you're doing what you can to maybe help that out because maybe this item is as important to you as it is to him you know so so uh we'll kind of start with our first one you know the actor the actor uh kind of likes to pretend to be their character they emphasize character development and uh that really has nothing to do with numbers or powers or trying to make their character uh they uh they try to uh make their character you know a real person uh that is in this fantasy world and they really uh, value the narrative game elements over mechanical ones. Yeah, you know, this is a player that really likes role playing. Essentially, is the person that tries to like stay in character right. and really get into who their character is as a person and their character's personality. Right. They often are the ones that are uh, providing you know nice backgrounds and emphasizing the character's personality, not just their abilities but who right. they are yeah who they are as a, a, a person now these players generally tend to be pretty good about uh playing to the motivations of their character oh, right, so instead right. of just you know well as a player i know that he he just said this so that's probably a plot hook so i should probably go listen to that. he thinks okay well i just saw a damsel in distress run across the street past the innkeeper past the indoor does my character really care and so right, and if he gonna, doesn't, he's yeah, gonna he's not, not gonna go after. He's yeah, he's gonna be like, Meh, whatever, beer, please. And <laughs> <laughs> Which definitely can make it um, make it interesting because yeah. they're gonna play more to what their character wants. You know, often they prefer the the social style encounters, and they prefer scenes where they can really portray portray their their character, and they can they want to really push that. Yeah. Um, you can really engage them pretty in um, a pretty couple different ways. Um, you can facilitate their per, uh, PC's personality and background. Make yeah. sure work it into the story. Yes. Yeah. You know, and for the most of the times, one thing that I feel like a lot of DMs are afraid to do with this is they're afraid they're going to alienate the rest of the party. Yes. I don't think that really happens as much as people think it's going to. I would agree. Because at the end of the day, I'm here to play a fun campaign. Mm-hmm. If we play a fun campaign that is based on another character's backstory, as long as it was fun, that's what matters. I don't care if it's if someone else is the 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 driving character behind it. As long as I enjoyed it and it was fun and it was well thought out, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I agree 100%. There's some pretty uh, easy ways to make sure that you engage the actor. Um, aside from facilitating the personality, making sure that you provide an opportunity for them to have a social encounter yeah, whether so just hack and slash yeah, and maybe they maybe when they go in and they run into royalty they have they get to interact with the, the duke or the, yeah. the queen or the emperor it, you know? as simple as when they go shopping oh you know, yeah definitely it, instead of saying okay what do you want to buy okay yeah you find this 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 and this in the shop okay you're good you know walking like oh top of the morning oh huh? what can i get for you today yeah, and, and let just, them yeah have inner or have a conversation with the shopkeeper Shopkeeper, the shop, the shopkeeper. I think is what you meant to say there. <laughs> the shot putter. <laughs> I think that, uh, and those are pretty easy ways to stimulate them. Um, you want to make sure that uh, 
you try to engage their personality traits, their flaws merits, and their flaws. Yeah. You know, all those, if you know that that person has a real high care for cats, put a cat hanging from a tree or something, <laughs> you know, falling from the tree. Send them to go rescue that cat because you know that that character, they love cats, will do anything for cats, are going to stop whatever it is they're doing yeah. and are going to charge in to save that kitten. Pretty now, much. obviously, that's a very uh, ridiculous example, but... Um, it can be anything. Maybe this person specifically hates dwarves. Hates dwarves. So he's a racist. Yeah, make him get stuck in a situation where he's surrounded by dwarves and see yeah. what he does. You know. Now, so. some of the pitfalls pitfalls you want to avoid or and avoid falling into are don't let them take over the entire game. Oh yeah, they can um, cause the other players to be bored. Yeah, and as well as if they're being disruptive and doing silly things. Don't let them use it, at, get away with it as it being in character. Mm -hmm. If they're purposely, you know, derailing the rest of the party with what they want to do, <clears throat> then you have to think, okay, well, even if he is acting in character, well, then if this character is causing this much of a, a ruckus, would they, would this character even be traveling with this yeah, party? Yeah, would they hang continue yeah. hanging out with him? And so that's something you have to keep in mind because sometimes it does happen and, and as if you're the yeah. actor that's listening to this and especially if you are staying in character you're that. not necessarily doing anything wrong right right but just think about there there party are other cohesion. people in the game there are other people in the game that's a, that's a really important thing to always remember you're not the only per person yeah. on your team and if you're the actor don't take it as a, a bad thing just yeah. you know what try to be aware of those and things. we need more people like that for sure so the next archetype is the explorer yeah, the they they the explorer really wants to you know get out of just the inns and the castles, and they really want to experience the rest of the you know the wonders that the world has to offer. Right. They want to know that there's more out there to find, and you know they're they're looking for details. You know they don't want to just hear a brief description of the forest I walk by. They want to hear the details. You know what kind of trees are they? Are they old? Yeah. What season is it? Are the are the leaves green? Are they are they brown? Are they are they gone? Are they all dead? Like is it winter? Right. Is there snow on the buildings? You know, they want the proper names of characters. When you say, okay, yeah, you see a small village on the, uh, off to your side. Well, what's that village's name? Right, you know, they want to know the details, the descriptions of the environment. They really want to know, you know, what's over that next hill. Yeah, they're, they're, they're constantly asking those questions. And, and they're one of the ones that can actually lead to unintentional discoveries or yeah. side quests or, you know. Because sometimes you'll, if you don't really have anything over there, but they really want to go over there and see something, like, uh, and you just throw an NPC there. That ends up going into this huge adventure hook. Right, and you as a as a DM, you're gonna to want to make sure that you try to always be prepared. Yeah, be, <laughs> always. I think we had one of our uh, episodes had the uh, 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 the secret have, stash, right? Yeah, the oh shit list, pile. Yeah, yeah the oh shit pile. A list of character names and in case shit pile. Yeah. that's what it was. Um, so definitely reference back to that episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they you know they they the explorer seeks out the experiences in the campaign world and the settings. And, you know, they love to learn all the little hidden secrets and the nooks and the crannies. And, you know, they, they really are good at advancing the plot, you know, by their poking around. And that's yeah. a real good, um, trait of the explorer. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of some examples, uh, to kind of engage them, you know, you can, including counter elements that call for searching and exploration. Maybe, yeah. you know, you always hear the term, you know, don't, don't split the party. Well, maybe you set it up so one person has to leave and has to explore to go find something while they're doing something else. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe you've got these keys or these notches on a wall and you're trying to fill those with something. 
mm-hmm. you can't find all the, the, the blocks or the gadgets or gizmos that go there. You can send one person to go explore for those, while the rest are trying to understand the puzzle or, or whatnot. Um, you can also engage them by providing you know, uh, rich and vivid uh, descriptions of physical... Uh, or giving them physical maps for them to look at and hold, yeah. uh, physical items for them to kind of to kind of poke around and yeah. put their little magnifying glass on and look look through them. Um, Which I will say, just physical maps and cool is, or physical maps in general to give to your party members, great idea. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, as a as a player, I love getting like actual maps and just things. Yeah, I had just, a map. Just up. random little chachis from my my. What was I look for? I didn't. Oh, <laughs> just random little tchotchkes from games. And like, oh, yeah, I remember this. I'm just that. thinking how I left a map of the area you guys requested, and I'm pretty sure you were the only person that looked at yep, it. Yep, I was. I was. And every day, I, I pretty much like put it with my stuff because I was like, oh, I'm the only one that's going to look at this. I'm looking and, at it. And in that, in that uh, adventure, it actually was a big deal because you guys were traveling so long across this continent in, in like five sessions. Yeah. So, yeah, you definitely want to. Uh, you know, and you can engage them other ways by maybe encouraging them to help you make the maps. Yeah. Maybe you don't have time to, or they're really creative and are interested in stuff. Maybe you can have them make the maps for you. Yeah. Um. You know, I wouldn't let them maybe make the dungeon maps, but maybe right. like locale maps. Yeah. Give them the dungeon map, then they'll know where everything's at. Yeah. But maybe they're good at uh, splitting the metadata, so it's or the metagaming, so it's not as a big yeah. deal. But which leads into. Try to avoid their knowledge of the game because generally these kinds of players often tend to be more experienced. Yes. Because the this kind of player, as well as the actor, you know, you really have to take like a front seat role in order to really experience experience the game mm-hmm. in this way. So they tend to be more uh, experienced players. So try to avoid letting them use their get now real world of the game to their advantage, aka metagaming. Right. Um. It's gonna always gonna happen a little bit, but try to try to keep it to as much of a minimum as you can because yeah. it just makes the game more engaging and more fun for everyone. Another thing to avoid as the explorer, um, try your hardest to not put so much on the DM that they need to constantly develop content just to make yeah. sure they're feeding you. Um, if you're having an issue where you're not getting enough of that content, maybe talk to them about it. But you don't want to be where they're so focused on generating backstory for you that everyone else gets kind of left everything out. else is kind of left the encounters are not as good or um hey great lore is all great but if your npcs are not built right or don't have no personality the, right. all, the more the dm spends time trying to make sure he's got content for you the less likely he's going to have quality content all over but that's not 100 percent true because different people have different amounts of times to dedicate to that <laughs> but just something to watch out for so the next uh player archetype is the instigator we all know this guy this Every guy enjoys one. making shit happen, you know. Uh, they have no patience uh, for careful planning and tactics and deliberation, you know. The instigator, you know, loves the vicarious thrill of taking on enormous risk and, you know, sometimes make, just making bad decisions on purpose, uh, a.k.a. the boulder. I don't, know if, I don't know if I've told you that story. I'll have to tell you I don't think you, that. you have tried to kill some bandits oh, by yeah, creating and an the avalanche. And, well, not the party, but killed all the innocents they're supposed to rescue. That's what it was, yeah. Like yeah, two-thirds of them. It was pretty yeah, bad. I wish you were that. there for that. It was, it was good. It was great. It led into an awesome content and everything, but uh, it was definitely one of those you know, things trying to trying to get through it. Um, you know, This is the person that also likes to poke at, you know, poke the bear or, hey, you know what? 
that's a trap. That's a booby trap. I'm going to flick it just to see what happens. So we all know this person. They yeah. just, you know, the instigator loves to see shit happen. Yeah, you know, they take a lot of risks and sometimes making deliberately bad choices like yeah. the boulder. <laughs> um, Often. Like you said. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times this char- these players can really stop the game from coming to a halt. You know, when the game's, when everyone else is kind of slowing down, running about, running out of ideas. Oh, definitely. This is the person that's got the little light bulb above their head, just ding, like thinking of things back and forth, like, okay, we could, let's try this, let's try this next, let's try this next. Right, and that's a really good when the game starts to kind of stall yeah. out because everyone's like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Uh, well, let's just try something. <laughs> I'm going to throw a fire on this hay, uh, hay cart and see what happens. <laughs> um, um, so. Yeah, you can really engage them with giving objects and encounters and stuff that you know invite them to experiment with them like what does this glowing orb in the middle of the dungeon do let's find right. out <laughs> and uh and then get turned into a frog <laughs> yeah and you know leave and random npcs around for them to go and interact with an instant and start things with and um allow their actions to whether intentionally or unintentionally put the rest of the party into some sticky situations. Yeah. You know, maybe they're they're uh, instigating and they're going to play with that shiny ball in the middle of the dungeon leads to them being, getting taken captive, and now the party has to go try to rescue them. Right, right. You know, uh, engaging them is, you know, is it's a, it's a simple task because they just want to push the button. Yeah. You know that big red button you're know, told not to push? They're <laughs> they going to push they it. They want to push it. So it, they're actually one of the easier ones to, I think, engage. Uh compared to some of the other ones, because it's easy just to say, is there something for me to knock down? Absolutely there is, you know, yeah. starting some shit. So Absolutely. Um, I also think it's fun to have an NPC that starts shit with them. Yeah. May, you know, Ooh. when you're walking walking through a uh, through a town and somebody just slams their shoulder into that, that the instigator, now shit's about to get heavy. Yeah, because... Please now don't spill uh... water on any of my <laughs> electronics. I'd appreciate that. Yeah, because now you have you know the NPC that's kind of pushing the envelope, and now they're like, well, no, I'm I'm that guy. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna hold their ground. Um, but just like anything else, there are things you want to avoid when you are um, dealing, if you are the instigator, or if you're dealing with the instigator. You know, letting them uh, get the rest of the party killed is probably the biggest one because right. this often can be the person that does it. Oh, hey, what is this big giant black sphere? Oh, you're all dead because that was a sphere of annihilation. Oh, okay. Well, that's life. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I, I swore I thought it was a portal. <laughs> I was told there was treasure inside. Um, you know, uh, they often will try to rush past like the social uh, encounters or the skill challenges or, yeah. um, you know, just to kind of rush to get to these, a, another fight. And maybe. a lot of times these characters tend to be the, the murder hobo type players. And uh, so you really want to try to avoid letting them kill monsters or NPCs, more specifically NPCs that the character's supposed to talk to. Yeah, and the, a good way to do that is to make sure that when they do take those instigated actions, um, that there's, cons- there's consequences. Yeah, well, not necessarily punished, but there's consequences, yeah. right? Hey, oh, by the way, that secret guy you just killed was actually the king. Uh, trying to get help and right. you just murdered him so <laughs> guess what's going to happen now you know so there, there needs to be punishment it doesn't need to be that severe but right. um there should be i guess punishment isn't the right word to use yeah cause... but some sort of consequence yeah for the character not the player yes yes yeah. Don't, you're not uh... like pulling out a ruler and smacking their ass <laughs> 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 crack their knuckles on the table <laughs> all right so um our next archetype is the power gamer or the optimizer um, the power gamers really, you know, thrive on 
gaining their levels and making their character stronger and the cool stuff that comes with those levels. They like, you know, accumulating as much power as they can. And uh, these are the these are generally the people who, before they've even started building like their character story wise, <laughs> they've already got them like completely mechanically built. Oh, all the like, way up to level twenty. Yeah, yeah they, they know counter, what they're doing. It's a one the, shot. Yeah, <laughs> and they know. Okay, well, at this level I'm gonna take this feat. At this level I'm taking this archetype. At this level I'm taking this feat and this, 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 and then oh, at this mm. level I'm gonna multi-class into yeah, that. Yeah, and they're they're constantly pouring over all the different supplements to kind of okay, what is the best way to build this character? Yeah. What's gonna help me? Everyone's what got I a do? little bit of this in them. Oh, I agree. I think everyone um, has a little bit of. A power gamer because we all we all want to do hit big numbers like yeah. we all want to you know do tons of damage i don't know that that's, some people might get that i was gonna times. say i i don't think that's 100 percent true um only because i think i'm one of the few that doesn't um but i do think the vast majority of people that's yeah. their goal is to get the number as high as they can yeah. or actually my one of my buddies uh who's a power gamer and it by no means it's the only feature of him he's he's multi-layered he's like shrek he's an onion but um he <laughs> he nice builds boulder. he builds really nice characters yeah um which challenged me as the dm to try to overcome right but then of course then i overtune the encounters and, and then, then somebody dies normies get punished he's fine so there are some risks <coughs> with that roper uh, <laughs> there are some risks with that uh, poor poor monk I feel I still I still feel bad about that. Rip store. Yeah, because it all. It, uh, what did he say? He's like, no varmint's gonna tell me what to do, and that's what it started with, you know. Um, so now. You don't tell me what to do, varmint. <laughs> Fireball. And, and now forever rest oh, in chark. rest in pieces. Oh chark. Uh, what was what was his monk name? Store. Store. S T O R. And then well, his he's gonna be stored indefinitely in that thing's stomach. Uh, anyway, so power um, gamers. <laughs> yeah. So you know they often, uh, often the the real big power gamers. You know, uh, role play is kind of a a secondary thing. It's not as critical or as important to them. Um, they often prefer uh, combat to obviously other types of encounters. But uh, I think I'm missing a page. Oh no, never mind. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, so how to you. Engage them. How, how do you engage? Do you, engage? <laughs> you know what, fucker? Shut up. <laughs> anyway. But yeah. how, how do you engage the optimizer? Give them stuff. Oh, definitely. And you need to stress... Uh, a good good way to start first is stress the, the story element rewards. You know, if you're about to fight for a powerful king and help to, you know, end a war between two raging kingdoms, that he lets you know that that big giant coffer, room full of coffers over there, that coffer, is... That's yours. Yeah. And there's powerful items in there. Yeah. And there's... Yeah, for these players, your adventure hooks aren't really story-driven. Treasure-driven. Item-driven, yes. Yeah, they're treasure, you know. Uh, or or experience. Just, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, experience it, is a big one, too. Letting them know that they're going to get a lot of experience if they go do this, so they'll want to go do it. Yeah, because that's how they get those levels. Um, um, powerful magic items as the adventure hook. Hey, you know, I heard about this legendary sword in the zone over in Camelot. Or there's this guy named Ganon with a Master Sword. You should go check him out. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to go check out a weapon called the Master Sword? I mean, come <laughs> on now. That's not copyright infringement at all. <laughs> uh, well, anybody's a ma- Master's Sword. There you put an S in it. Yeah, there you, go, there you go. Um, you and know, Ganon has G-A-N-N-O-N. And actually, uh, kind of to turn away a little bit, that's a good opportunity to interest somebody that loves to investigate because if there's lore behind this weapon, you're, you can engage the optimizer and the uh 
the explorer, the explorer and even the actor and the actor and the investigator yeah. so there's a lot that can come out of that so you can you can leverage it for that um facilitating access to new options and powers one thing that i've done i think we've talked about this on the show before is when i started my campaign i allowed certain supplements and that was it and one that had come out during our campaign was the elemental evil supplement so for my optimizers i was pulling spells from that and giving it to them as rewards that mm. they didn't even have as an option before right uh get fine here's a spell scroll here's a spell scroll that they didn't even know was a thing right so they were super stoked about it so that was a good way that i was able to feed um kind of that power gamer in them yeah so um things you kind of want to avoid is one this character is generally because of the fact that they put so much time into optimizing their character they're probably their character is probably already going to be stronger than the rest of the party but mm -hmm. try not Try not to let that get out of hand, you know. Yeah, you want to watch that. Especially power since creep. you're, yeah, especially since you're enticing them with powerful weapons and all this stuff. Don't let them get too far ahead of the rest of the right. party because then they're gonna outshine everybody. Yeah, and a good way to do that is if you want to just give them something that gives them a little edge. Um, it doesn't have to be number increases. We've talked uh, numerous times about magic items that have utility use versus raw power. Yeah. And that's a good way to entice them. You entice them with a magical item, but the feature isn't a raw damage increase. Mm -hmm. It might be actually one of our uh, magic items on the podcast is a good example. It's a utility for an optimizer. Not being able to drop your weapon is pretty damn yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, you know, you can encourage them that way without necessarily giving them extra power um, and kind of helping mitigate that power creep because it's really easy to yeah. do. As this player, things you want to try to avoid are, you know, well, not avoid, but yes, avoid trying to take too much of the treasure. Share. Yes. You're, you're a party. You're a team. You win together, you die together. The other party members aren't your henchmen. You know, they're, <laughs> they're not your lackeys. Yeah, man. they're not your your paid bodyguards. They're there with you to fight with you and win with you. Right. It's important to remember that. Um. So you know, if there's that magic item that isn't really that great for you, but it's really good for your bard, well, let right. the bard have it. Yeah, and that's something to kind of that can be a little bit of a uh, a difficult thing for the person who definitely is striving for optimization. Yeah. And being the, that power gamer that they are. And you're right. Everyone's got this person in them. Yeah. Just to varying degrees. Yep. Because that's why we play games, right? To become the very best. Yeah. That Around. no one ever was. I thought you were going a different route with that. <laughs> Every time I do, you think I'm going that way, and I never go that way. <laughs> I don't. I don't ever think about uh, the Pokemon reference, but I always think of the the karate. Of course you don't. Karate man. Whatever, dude. Shut up. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm broken. You are. But I'll tell you what, when uh, one of the shooter cons we were at, somebody started singing that while we were waiting in line, and the entire line, like 500 people started singing. It was pretty funny. I want to be the very best. Da -da -da. <laughs> like no one ever was. Anyway, so um, that's the musical so, portion yeah. of the stream. Yeah, so yes, <laughs> check us out on Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so moving on to the next player archetype, the, the story storyteller. Um, you know, these players sees the game as an ongoing chronicle of events in this fantasy world or this sci-fi adventure or what have you. Um, they, the storyteller really wants to see, you know, where the tale goes, what is going to happen, you know, how does it unravel, what twists are there. The, the storyteller really rules, uh, for the storyteller, the rules are really just to, to support the story that's mm -hmm. going on. They, yeah. You know, they believe that, you know, when the rules kind of get in the way, uh, narrative Mechanics should win. Mechanics are secondary. Yeah, n narrative should always win. Yeah. And I, I don't know if this is something we agree 100% on. I'm I'm big that I think stories should take precedence over a mechanical rule, and I think we've had it where one person 
said I wanted to I want to punch that spellcaster in the mouth so he can stop yelling spells at me. Right. And he crit, and I let him break, <laughs> break the his jaw. jaw. Yeah. And then it occurred to me that he couldn't cast half of his spells anymore. Because they were all because, verbal components. Right. So um, that's an example where I thought the story was better. And another player yeah. might say, well, why can't I do that? And that situations like that do happen. Um, the storyteller is the person that doesn't really care about that mechanic. I want to do this, so I should be able to. Right. It's up to the DM to kind of control that. Yeah, this is the kind of person instead of saying, hey, I want to make an athletics check to try to do this. This is the person who says, I want to jump to that balcony. Can I do that? (laughs) (laughs) Right. They don't think about what check it is. Yeah. Um, You know, this person is the person that everyone writes backstories, and we talk briefly about the uh, The actor actor writing their backstories. But this person is not going to only give a lot of detail about their character's backstory, but the people around them. In yeah, they're going to try to encourage narrative from everybody, yeah, and they want to fit themselves into all yeah, that. Yeah, this person might come to session zero with a family tree. You don't, you don't know what you're going to get from this person. Um. <laughs> but you know, and what's I, I really like that because if I put an important important dynasty, like a, a a family that's been around for a long time, I've had players say, okay, is there a way I can be related to this dynasty? Yeah. And they found a way, and I let them that they were this kind of branch family that. If the brother had been born first, would be the high royalty. But instead, his brother was born second, so his entire family and generation is kind of not important at all. Right. But he's fighting for that I'm just as important as him type of mentality. Right. And he fit that into the story, and I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Cool, man. I'm just <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is they're going to want their character to fit into the narrative. Yeah. And, you know, these are the people who are going to really love those recurring characters. Oh, so yeah. these are the people you want to make those, you know. Those. You want to make sure that, you know, you have that traveling merchant if he comes back. Yeah. You know, give him personality, let him interact with this person and maybe the actor. And, yeah. you know, they really they really thrive on that stuff. Becoming well uh, informed of all of the story and the people in the world. Yeah, these are the – sorry. These are the kind of people that generally or definitely prefer a plot-driven story rather than just – on to the next fight. Right, right. Um, and so because of that, you should really try to engage that and try to really tell a good story with the things that you're doing. Yeah. Everything that your characters do, tell them why they're doing it. Yeah. Every, th- every time that someone tries to conscript them to do something, why does that person want them to do this? Yeah. You can engage them in a couple different ways. You know, using them to define uh, story elements. You know, we talked about the person with from the branch family. Maybe they're some sort of ongoing war starts between the the branch family and the main family, and now the adventurers are kind of up in that. They may not have known a whole lot about that, but now they're brought into it because this person either reveals it to them that they're part of it, or they he doesn't reveal it to them. Yeah. So. Um, and things you kind of want to avoid with them are, you know, not letting again. This is kind of a being rehashed, but not letting them character the center of everything um because it will be easy to do because they're going to be the people that are constantly trying to drive the plot forward so it will be easy to just make everything revolve around them try to avoid that and don't let them try to tell the other players what to do to fit the idea (laughs) don't let them write a script for the other players all right look i'm gonna need billy bob over here your job you're gonna run up that wall you're gonna jump. You're gonna knock that guy over the wall. Well, won't I go with it? Well, minor inconvenience. You know, they're, 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 you, that's an easy. Merely a flesh wound. <laughs> that's something that's easy to fall into. So. You shall not pass. <laughs> you know what? I watched. A, I was reading a thing how that uh, in that scene. Uh, oh, damn, what's his name? Gent. Gandalf is an experienced hog. 
because he oh, basically I was talking about Monty Python. You shall not pass. Oh, oh, okay. Black Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking uh, the. Gandalf. Oh no, he says none shall pass. None shall pass. Yes. But anyway, um, Gandalf. But anyways, Gandalf. You know, he basically he's genius. He told everyone else to run and took down the Balrog, got all the experience, and he comes back super powerful. You know, you know one thing or. that bugged me about that movie. Was that in the book? He says you cannot pass. Oh. Nah, whatever. Minor. I just don't get why change the one word. <laughs> and the book says you, and it's not in caps or anything, so it's just like you cannot pass. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, moving on um, to the thinker. The thinker. You know, they uh, as a player archetype, they really uh, like to make careful choices and reflect on the challenges and you know what is the the best way to overcome that challenge. You know, solving the challenge in a creative way is more fun than just fucking knocking down the door, you know, or, or slitting somebody's throat. You know, in fact, the think, thinker often might prefer, you know, sound, strategic plans instead of just brute force. They're, you know, maybe they want to, you know, sneak around, you know, often maybe they're a rogue, you know, yeah. they want to, they want to be stealthy and sneaky, you know, so this one's you. This yeah. One's you. Um, uh, um, so yeah, generally these people really like puzzles and things that require, you know, trap them in a room and make them escape that room somehow. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of things that really engage these person and really tickle their fancy. Um, <laughs> Tickles their balls. Yeah, because they're, they're every <laughs> <laughs> every option, every action they make is going to be pretty carefully thought out, mm-hmm. um, especially uh, when when they're trying to win without lots of action or drama. They're just trying to, you know. Get the job Accomplish done. Accomplish the goal. Yeah. yeah. Get in, get your shit, get out. Get out. <laughs> um, um, they also, you know, prefer time to consider yeah. all options. Fuck. Yeah. Um, some people are better at thinking on their feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those people can be harder to mess with. I would agree. Because especially if you have a thinker, one way – if you have a person that's like this, one way to really challenge them is give them time limits. You oh, know, yeah, for have sure. Have that you know, hourglass in the middle of the room that's just ticking down, sands falling through. Um and if you can do it, just pull out an hourglass and put it on the table in front of them. And <laughs> tick tock, tick, yeah, tock, dingle, dingle, a dingle, uh, wave a stopwatch back and forth, <laughs> dingle. Uh, <laughs> um, but definitely, um, there's very particular ways you can really engage this, and one of the easiest one is put in encounters that require problem solving. Yeah, not just from a character level, but from a player level. You know, if you can get those really, um physical puzzles if you can make a physical puzzle for them to look at to for them to pull the knobs push the buttons pull the triggers you know something they can really figure uh play around with this will really engage them um but there is a little bit of warning i would give with that you got to be careful between giving things that are too much player driven decision yeah right? versus character because your character is supposed to be able to do things your player can't yeah so you kind of got to be careful with that but if you can do it you can get the right choices you know um, letting everyone kind of get involved. Uh, some of the modules I've run have had, you know, text that's cut off and I show it to them and the group has to kind of figure it out when in fact, if you look at it in the mirror, it's just backwards, um, <laughs> you know, stupid stuff like that. Right. Um, and you can really engage them doing stuff like that, you know? Um, if a, a really cool way to fit them in with other types of players, like especially someone like the power gamer is, to allow them in combat scenarios, allow them to try to set up an ambush. Uh, that's a really cool way. Or allow them, you know, different ways to approach combat. 
in to try to give themselves an advantage and you know create like a one-sided fight right right um you know allow them to try to sneak up on the the bandit camp and try to everyone jump out of the woods and get to jump on them and stab them all dead before they even know what's happening right uh really take advantage of their initiative to try to find try to get the drop on their enemies and and something that's really good about this if they come up with a really good and really unique plan something that's got a lot of oomph behind it maybe you make a smart plan allow it to be a complete sided battle yeah where they you're rewarding hey they came up with this really clever idea and it's such in their favor that they just fucking mow the encounter over yeah and that'll they'll feel great about that my idea made it so we just Blew right by that. For instance, I got a really, uh, really good example, and it's pretty simple, but it was pretty effective. Um, the players were traveling from point A to point B. Don't really remember where. Don't really care. But um, they stumbled across a wild panther, and it was pissed. It was trying to attack them. And the person said, well, can I cast speak with animals? And I'm like, what? What do you want to tell it? And he described that. He's like, well, I want to ask why it's afraid, why it's trying to attack us, all these things. And it basically was just defending its newborn baby cub which by the way not pl- part of the plan came up with on spot <laughs> yeah just something that i rolled with uh based on you know what the interaction we had and he said you know what we're not here we didn't mean to disturb you if you let us we'll go this direction and we'll go around and we'll avoid what you need and i gave him full credit for the encounter and experience and they went on their way and that yeah. was i wouldn't have thought that he would have even had that spell prepared you Right. It's one of those things that oh they he's got he can do that okay he remembered right. he can do that right you know and so make sure you reward those things yeah absolutely um things you kind of want to avoid uh, again these are another type of people that will try to tell everyone what to do and when to do it and how to do it because in their head they already they've already thought this through they have the best idea they already know how to beat this mm-hmm. so now everyone else just needs to shut up and listen <laughs> um and I'm guilty of this sometimes like okay you you go there you go there you do this um I'm gonna do this and we got it everyone good. Everyone's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, we're doing what now? Um, and they can also have the tendency to overanalyze everything and overthink everything, or everything to the point where the game just stops. Yes. And you know, these people will tend to have very long com- turns in combat and very, you know, very long get social that, interactions. That, that uh, hourglass counter. counter yeah, out. get that hourglass out. Just psh, slap it down on the table. Um, but you know this kind of person can also really add to your group because it allows for completely different situations, right. like you said, like very like puzzle and challenging encounters that they can try to work through. Right. Um, so I guess a good thing you can do, uh, you know, and you can recruit this person to help you run large and combat encounters. Yeah. Because if they really like that thought out process, you can let them handle that. Why you do all the other big DM stuff? Yeah, these people are generally like strategicians. Strategicians is that the word I want? No, I don't know. Uh, tacticians. Tactician, I think, is what you're yeah, going for. Yeah, not strategician. I think I made up a word. There. I think you just did, but that's, that's okay. That's my word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but tacticians, so yeah, they, they're gonna enjoy, you know, they, they would really probably enjoy create or handling a large group of small things that they're trying to create ideas. Right. Right. And it also takes weight off you. If you are this person, this thinker, ask your DM if you can do that. Yeah. Um, I think it would be more helpful if they're not playing in that game because chances are they're probably going to think about it and not attack their character. (laughs) Or not think about it and still not attack their character. Right. Um, Because I know I would have been like, well, my character's not getting hurt. Screw that. (laughs) (laughs) 
bastard. So, can't, uh, help, can't ask you to help with nothing. <laughs> the final archetype is the Watcher. The Watcher is usually a casual player, sometimes a brand new player, who usually come to the game because they want to be part of the social event. Sometimes it's you know a girlfriend or a boyfriend or mm-hmm. a little brother or cousin or you know friend that just tagged along with someone else. A lot of time they're they're really shy or they're laid back or they're just not used to it yet. But they enjoy, you know, being part of a group in a social circle. They don't really care about a lot of the details of the game. They just want to have a good time. Um, so, you know, they just show up to be a part of a group and hang out. And you know what? That's a perfectly acceptable way to play. Yeah, yeah. Mostly because, hey, it's another body. Well, and <laughs> You can be healer. <laughs> every game in general, tabletop games, role-playing games, or online MMOs, the vast majority of people are casual players. I hate that, like, the term casual and hardcore, but... The majority of people... Are I've met a hardcore. Oh, yeah. I've met hardcores. Uh, somebody who got mad that we went out to dinner to get food because we were waiting for 20 people to show up for D&D, and they wanted to start while we were gone, even though we had already been waiting for two hours. She said, D&D is not a game for us. It's life. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go downstairs and play Xbox all night. And I did. <laughs> I was like, fuck that shit. I don't want to be part of that. I don't want right. to be like in a cult. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the thing is um, the vast majority of players are casual players you know when you have extra time you you know you get together you play a game and and it's for fun it's not a super serious thing you're you're just trying to have a good time so these people you know they show up you know they they just want to be a part of the group they just want to you know bullshit for a while have some fun um a lot a lot of a lot of times the watcher is someone who's never played D &D before so they're gonna you know take the back seat and just watch what everyone else does because they're not comfortable acting in front of a bunch of people they don't know and right and they don't, I, I they think don't you get a look, lot of those at like the stores too yeah they don't want to look too nerdy uh by getting into character and because it's embarrassing and you know the first time you play D D, it's 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 awkward to get into character and mm-hmm. you know bust out the voice and be like well back in my day well, uh, and uh it, it, it's hard to do yeah um but these people because they're not as attached to the game Either in a, a role play or in a role playing sense, or in a mechanical sense. Either. <laughs> well, I was gonna say they can kind of calm fights and disputes between everyone else. That's true. They yes. can kind of be like the voice of reason in the party. For sure. Because they're not as attached to the game and everything. Like, like guys, calm down. Yeah, it's just a fucking game. Everyone just take dummies. a giant chill pill. Let's talk about this. <laughs> I'm gonna bitch slap you if you guys don't shut up. Like Stop Ron, arguing. Like Ron uh-huh. Simmons. Damn. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh. There's a couple things you can do to kind of engage them, um, but one thing I'd recommend is never force them to get more involved than they want to. Yeah. Um, because not everyone wants to be that person. They don't want to be up front. They want to don't want to be in the limelight. They want to be in the back. If you're a player and you see this person, you can, it's okay to nudge them a little bit occasionally, ask them what they think, but don't put them on the spot more than you think that they can handle because if they wanted to, that's what they would be doing. But make sure you do try to engage them a little bit, but don't don't suck them in, don't force them into too much. Yeah. Um. You know, another uh, another way to engage them is you know prompt them, prompt prompting them when they need a little bit of push. You know, if you're the rogue and you're a real quiet person, um, the DM or the players around you might have to say, Hey, you know what, uh, Aridin, would you pick that lock for me? Is that something you can do? Oh me, little old me. Yeah, could you do that for me? <laughs> yeah. You know, and that just not saying, hey, I need you to go do this. Hey, get over there and do that right now. Hey, why yeah. doesn't the rogue do this? You're just, you're kind of guiding them. Hey, would you take care, take care of this? It's a pretty easy way. Yeah. 
And uh, another good way is um, just accept the fact that they're fine with watching and taking a backseat. And so a, a way to not necessarily engage them, but to make it an enjoyable experience for others is to just get everyone else involved. Mm-hmm. Have everyone else, you know, take the front seat and, and try to make like a fun experience and a funny comical scene that they can just yeah, laugh, can at, laugh and at and enjoy and have fun yeah. and, you know, give them a memorable experience that maybe they, they, they weren't a big part of, but they were there for it and they got to see, they it, got and to see it. They got to have a good D&D memory. This is the good person, I think, to have them take pictures of the game. Yeah. Um, because if they're being quiet and they're not doing their thing, having them go around and get pictures of the players and the game and stuff of what's going on, they're good for that because they're already quiet and they're not really, they're not really super engaged in combat. So they're free to kind of float around um, and and do things like that. Yeah. Or maybe assist the DM in other ways. Yeah. One thing you Tracking will wanna, initiative. you will want to try to work or not work on, but try to do is try to keep them focused. Yes. And they might get distracted and stuff, but try not to let them distract everyone else yeah, with, you know, you know TVs, phones, yeah, looking at memes games. on Facebook and I mean, <laughs> there are I'm sure they got some pretty dank memes. But uh, <laughs> um, it, it's easy to have this person disappear too. Um because they're so quiet, the table might not realize they're gone, which can be really bad at like combat time. Yeah. Uh which does happen. Uh you know, sometimes this person goes over on the couch and takes a nap cuz you got 10 players and it takes an hour to get back to right. their turn. But uh you know, don't let them don't let them wander around too much cuz they will kind of just poof be gone. Yeah. So before we move on, I did hear something the other day that what I just said reminded me. You know, it, it it's it's kind of sad when you think about the fact that we were born too late to explore the world, but too early to explore space. But you can find comfort in knowing that we were born at just the right time to explore dank memes. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. You had me. I was waiting for something. And then you delivered. Like something deep yeah, and profound. Yeah, no. That, I hate you. <laughs> um, so that is our uh, main topic of the podcast, Player Archetypes. Okay, I guess I'll continue. I assumed you were going to take over from there, but I got it. Okay. Um, so we have another giveaway. Um, anybody that listens to our show knows. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, anybody that listens to our show knows that uh, we have an awesome group of uh, fellowship members, um, and we want to take time to thank one of them, our fellowship party member, Lore Smith. Woo! Thanks to them, all of Crit Nation has a chance to win a wonderful prize each and every week. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness, which is awesome, by the way. Yeah. I had a lot of fun running it three times now. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, Lore Smith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with their friends, finding incredible places, and meeting a lot of colorful characters along the way. They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those, you know, long-lasting impressions that really pushed them to create their own first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. Um, this belly, this best-selling adventure. I can't edit that out. I know. Oh, okay. This best-selling adventure is one that you're not going to want to miss. So, um, once again, we have another winner uh, that we have chosen, and we will reveal them at the end of the. Episode. episode so stay tuned it could be you so moving on to our final oh, segment hang on yeah no you're good our unearthed tips and tricks <laughs> first we have our character I concept of the podcast which i think is my favorite character puns 
character concept we've done so far, and it is the Punisher. <laughs> I see what you did there. Um, this really is the person that tries to put a pun on everything. I'm really bad at it with my druids. I turn into a bear, and I always talk about, you know what, you're just going to have to bear with me, or, you know, something along the lines, or, man, this situation is unbearable, you know, some <laughs> stupid shit like that, and you got a character that just constantly plays on words. Our example that we got here, and I think is one of the best examples, have you ever watched Batman and, yep. is it yep. Batman and Robin? Yeah. With, uh... Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. You're not sending me to the cooler. <laughs> I like that. That was good. <laughs> he, has, he has, the whole time uh, he's engaged with uh, Batman, he's in even other uh, characters, he's constantly making these stupid one-offs. You know, uh, if a revenge was a dish best served cold, then put on your Sunday finest. It's time to feast. You know, something, something like that. Whoa, cool party. <laughs> I'm afraid my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. Chill out. <laughs> I like that. So having a character that just just comes up with all these puns one after another as they're running around, I think is a very fun and cool character concept, which I've, I've done. That wasn't the sole focus of the character I ran, but I loved the run in the, the, the Punisher Druid, yeah. I guess, <laughs> um, making things a little... Uh, Honey, I guess the whole time. Uh, it's definitely will. It's more. It's definitely not for the more serious campaign tones, which oh, some yeah. people do. Um, it's definitely something you're. It's much more lighthearted and kind of fun. And if you're the DM, I definitely think responding to those as the NPCs can be awesome as well. Maybe with your own pun or just yeah. like your. It's also a good NPC to drop in as. You oh, know, for sure. You know the eccentric shopkeeper or you know the annoying innkeeper that just won't leave you alone. <laughs> Would you like to check out my new armor? I've got the best thing for you to wear. <laughs> Would you like to check out my wares? <laughs> I have armor. Something along those lines. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so that is our character concept of the show. Where did that come from? The I'm... Punisher. <laughs> the Punisher. <laughs> our monster variant podcast. <laughs> The Kamikaze Cobalt. You like that? <laughs> so, uh, so this concept originates with the regular Cobalt. I I like this because there's not a whole lot that anybody can really do about it. So basically, this Cobalt has a big powder keg attached to its back. It's got a dead man switch. So if something happens to him, it still blows up. But he basically just runs into... A crowd and goes kaboom. Yeah. Um, which I know is probably not the appropriate time to talk about stuff like <laughs> that, but in the world of D and D, this is a lot of fun and it causes a lot of damage because it's not a small, small explosion. Um, so you know, the idea behind this character is he's his action is to dash every time until he gets to where he wants. His goal is to get as many people in the blast as he can. So each creature within a 50 foot radius, 50 foot radius. Now keep in mind, this is a high level creature. Well, the Cobalt's still weak. Okay, you're going to want to throw this against high-level players. Oh, yeah, because the damage does a lot. But you can scale the damage yeah. to whatever you want. But the idea behind this is it's going to fuck shit up. Oh. That's the, the point. So uh, each creature in a 50-foot radius uh, sphere centered on the Cobalt must make a deck save of 15 or take 10d6 damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. Now, 
Um, the fire spreads, you know, around corners and it ignites uh, flammable objects and the area uh, that area flammable objects that in the area that aren't being worn or carried. And if anybody, this is where it gets interesting. If anybody five feet of the blast rolled a five or less on the die, they are instantly killed if their total HP is less than the max of the dice damage. So in this case, 60. So if you're too close, kaboom, you're dead. There's nothing coming back from that. Now, that's a little yeah. bit serious. That being said, that's the whole point. It's meant to be deadly, and you can rescale the damage to match whatever level you want um, so they can survive if they get caught in the blast. But the idea is that this is going to wreck whatever building they're in. So you're going to usually want to send them into like a tavern or something like that. Yeah. And really, <laughs> really uh, make sure it's populated area so there's repercussions of it. Yep. And I wouldn't send like 20 of these in because that would be a problem. But yeah. it definitely... Especially because it could chain and you shoot one with an arrow. <laughs> oh, I like that. No, it's just a crater to hell in the middle yeah, of the city. You have a big old thing of spit right yeah. on your chin. <laughs> but when you go... <laughs> sometimes you spit. I'm glad that's your laptop there in front of you. Yeah. Um, Alright, so that is our monster variant, the Kamikaze Cobalt. Our encounter of the podcast is the mirror image. So essentially what you have is players enter a room with a full-length mirror with another adventurer trapped on the other side. You know, He's begging and pleading for them to release them and there is a magical glyph that the players can see and he's asking them to put their hand onto the glyph which he says will free him they do the man is freed however the person who puts their hand on the glyph <laughs> is then trapped inside put into the pocket dimension that is the mirror and the room is exactly the same as the other except no one else is there the mirror is opposite and there's not a way out um, the man explains that a demon tricked him, tricked him into helping the, de the demon escape. The only problem is that whoever released the person in the mirror must take their place. The NPC is not a bad guy, just someone who wants to survive. So now, you're stuck. Yeah. Your characters are stuck in a situation where, okay, well, they're probably, if they can't figure out anything in this room to help them, any way to deal with it, they're probably going to have to go find someone to deal with it. So that person could be trapped there for a while. I think this is a good, uh idea if you know somebody's not going to make it mm. um you could have this encounter happen the the session before and lead the rest of the heroes who you knew will be back you know to come back at some point or if you know somebody's gonna be gone for an extended period of time like Put real life yeah have this event happen make sure that they know about it they get stuck and then the players can spend the, the remaining time that their other person's gone trying to um find a way to get them out Mm -hmm. And that's a really good way to kind of story-wise cre yeah. Yeah, create a, a scenario where you know somebody's going to be gone and they're just kind of trapped in there. That being said, if you just use it in a regular encounter, make sure there's some way for them to escape either in that room or somewhere else throughout the dungeon. Um, I do like the idea of the player who is trapped in the mirror, if they need to leave that room, taking the control of the NPC who is there. Yeah. So they're still engaged in what's going on, and they still have things that they can do. They're going to be a commoner or a merchant or whatever you put in there, but it'll allow them to kind of leave that character behind for a little while while they try to figure it out. Um, it also could give them an opportunity. If you got somebody that plays the exact same character all the time, giving them a personality for the NPC yeah. that's different than they normally would run is also a lot of fun and kind of way to dip your toes as the DM into mm -hmm. getting them to play something else as well as if you're the player, you know, take an opportunity to really get crazy. Maybe the DM will say, you can put whatever personality you want in this guy. Yeah. You know, so, um, but 
once again, the idea that they're trapped in another pocket dimension definitely is probably not super original, but is definitely something you should have in one of your adventures because it's awesome. Yeah. That's the encounter of the podcast, Mirror Image. Ooh. Our magic <laughs> item of the podcast is the Gauntlets of ooh, ah, ah, Monkey Grip. It didn't work. No, I wish you, I had done you that. Did, you Can did. I take that back? No, you can't. We're not. Um, no, it's live. <laughs> the gauntlet's um, a monkey grip. Yeah. Uh, Essentially, basically what it means is whatever you're holding, you can't drop. Involuntarily. Unwillingly. unwillingly yeah. As long as you're conscious. <laughs> you, you can if you want to. Right. Um, um, basically, this is another tool as opposed to, you know, we talked about the optimizer earlier. Instead of a tool that's meant to increase damage or increase, you know, uh, raw output. It stops bad things from happening. It stops happening bad things from happening. And while they may not think it's super awesome early on, if you throw that player, that group up against somebody who constantly disarms, that person's going to love you because then their magic item will get to shine. Um, and if you're a DM that doesn't try to disarm your players, you should step up to that. Because <laughs> anytime you fight any intelligent beast with sword skills, they're going to try to disarm the opponents. And I think that uh, you should really push that. Yeah. But th- this is a little uh, nice utility item, nothing super powerful. Obviously, you can use it in any any game for any character. Obviously, you're probably going to want to give it to somebody with some sort of weapon. <laughs> yeah. Not like a mage. Hey, you can't drop your staff. Well, I don't really need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that's their focus. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't even consider that. Because let's be honest. Why would I have? <laughs> I did. Uh, well, you're better than me. Whatever, Dave. <laughs> so that's the magic item of the podcast, the Gauntlets of Monkey Grip. Our DM tip of the podcast is set, set the, the atmosphere. atmosphere. You know, it's important to not only just tell what's in the room, but to describe the other senses uh, that they're uh, sensory uh, impressions. You know, the emotional tone is one that can get mm-hmm. uh, left out uh, a lot. You know, we talk about uh, moral ambiguity. When a decision is being made for right or wrong, for instance, let's say you're in a room with an innocent child who is innocent but is possessed by a demon, you should make sure that that tone of what's going on, when they have to make the decision, are we going to slay this innocent child who's just being possessed or controlled and manipulated? Or are we going to try to save him? If you're not setting the tone to that level, to that very, was it somber? Yeah. Very somber tone. That's your responsibility as the DM. And mm-hmm. you really need to make sure you do. Because that if if you don't set that tone, they sometimes won't take it serious. And they should know that what they're trying to do is a difficult decision. You know, describing the lighting. When, they're make, when they go into this place where they're going to have to slaughter this innocent, make sure that it's during, you know... The lights are burnt out, or it's raining outside. Yeah, hear dist- thunder rumbling in the distance. Yeah, and, you know, there's a, a faint odor of sulfur. You know, some other unpleasant thing. Yeah, and uh, really, impl- you know, apply all of the senses. Yeah, you want to make sure that the scenario fits the the the, the environment fits the decisions that they yeah. have to make. Yeah, yeah. Because just starting off in a event, that adventure when they're going and describing it being, you know, it's almost sunset, it's raining, it's overcast, you know, you're being ra- uh, the rain is beating on you hard, it's miserable, you're nasty, your boots are all filthy, and you're trudging through. You know, you want to set that scene so that when they do get there, their characters are already kind of depressed. So now they got to make an even more yeah. depressing decision. Um, little details are important. You know, a lot of things get overlooked. And I think the best way to learn how to do this effectively and really, you know, give a good description of environments is reading. Oh, yes. Read a lot of books. 
a really good book that I can actually recommend is Lord of the Flies. I don't know if you've ever read that. I have not. I'm blanking on the name of the author, but it's it's a everyone's heard of Lord of the Flies. Not me. You've never heard of it? No. Oh, it's about a bunch of kids that get trapped on an island. Huh. And they like survive. And it's them trying to survive. But it's very, very descriptive. It goes into very excruciating detail about every little thing that is around them. And uh, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's a great book. Uh, I read it in like sophomore year AP English. Um, but don't overlook the small details of, you know, that that tiny flower. Oh, William Golding. That's who wrote it. But anyway, <laughs> that tiny flower that's, you know, blossoming in the corner of the desolate graveyard or, you know, the smell of burning ash from a recently stomped out campfire in the middle of the woods. Right. Um, and all of this really helps to establish that atmosphere and really put the characters in the right mood. Yeah, you know, um, a good example that I think I, that I wrote in here is a tiny flower blossoming in an otherwise desolate and gloomy graveyard. That's what I just said. Oh. <laughs> well, clearly I was not actually listening to what was coming out of your mouth. I was reading something and I got distracted yeah. for a second. So, yes. All right. So, um, you know, all those little things help, you know, set the overall tone. And you really want to make sure that you're doing that. Now, we're using gloomy as an example, but yeah. it doesn't have to be that. You know, maybe there's unicorns with rainbow shooting out their asses because it's really <laughs> happy. You yeah. don't know. <laughs> and, you know, maybe you just walk into a cave and you describe the skittering of creatures bugs. and bugs on the ground and the dripping of water in the distance. You or know? maybe they're in a party and you're describing the fireworks and the dancing and the little no getting drunk right. and having fun trying to yeah knocking people trying to knock people over and yeah pocket up, yeah pocket up. you're not only descri- being descriptive when it's sad but also when it's happy when it's jovial when it's silly right. when it's you know stinky <laughs> but that, that's the dungeon master tip of the podcast setting the atmosphere now our player tip of the podcast is don't, don't be, be a dick, dick. you can avoid dickitude by um, setting traps yeah you know don't always just you don't have to just fall into traps yeah <laughs> <laughs> you can set them too, not just the DM. And as a DM, if your players are setting traps, give them a fair chance. Yeah, and get the give them a chance to uh, you see it in action. You know, I'll, I'll use kobolds because we were talking about that earlier. If they're in enemy territory and it's a kobold infested camp, and you know they use you know like spells like alarm to kind of control and learn where everyone's at, and they do investigative work and they decide, you know what, let's set a like a a, a boulder, a big giant boulder trap, you know, and pin up the boulder with like a stick or something and when somebody opens this opens this door it comes falling down and make sure it gets triggered yeah um, i had um a party i was dming for they were in an area that they knew bandits were kind of roaming and like mm-hmm. attacking people and so they set up a fake camp oh nice they set up a camp with like and they created like dummy bodies that were like around this fire and they had like gold and treasure laying out mm-hmm. everywhere and then they hid in the trees and so when the bandits came up and tried to rob them they jumped down and got the jump on them yeah, and, and that allowed. I hope. Yeah, and I rewarded them. Yeah. I gave them, you know, I gave them a significant advantage in the combat because, well, they had no idea. That, I mean, and they I, went time to plan that out. I did huge. give the NPCs chance to try to note to notice them, but which you should have. Yeah. they should have a chance to spot but, the big guy in red standing in the exactly, tree right above. Exactly, but them. they weren't very smart bandits, so they didn't notice right. them. Um, we had something similar where uh, one of our rangers decided he wanted to use the barbarian to knock down a tree. And then they used all their hemp and rope to pull, make like a swinging battering ram. And they just stood, the barbarian climbed up and stood in the tree holding it. Okay. And just waited for the, because they knew it was, the, they had researched uh, that it was the p- patrol path. So they just waited for the patrol to come by, let it go. Like bowling ball plowing through yeah. pins. 
Yeah. And they all got knocked prone, I think, except one. They came flying out of a tree and eviscerated these guys. <laughs> I mean, they were almost all of them were uh, nearly dead just after the uh, swinging uh, giant tree. So uh, definitely make sure you give them an opportunity to build traps or uh, jer- jerry-rig, jerry-rig traps that already exist. Yeah, and reverse them or move them. Oh, there you so go. So that yeah. the people who already know there are traps there, it's not where they expect it to be. So they accidentally set right. it Right, because I know normally uh, <clears throat> traps usually have some way to be bypassed, whether it's a path <laughs> or a lever or a switch. If you've got somebody that can understand the inner workings of that and they can make it so that it works in the opposite, so it doesn't, you know, not trigger, it instead of what's supposed to protect them, up triggers it down, turns it off, you know, maybe you have them swap those things around a little bit um so that they get caught up in their own bullshit Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that is our player tip of the podcast don't Don't be be a dick dick. and you can avoid dickitude by setting setting traps um before we close out our episode we have to do our giveaways yes so the two we want to so we actually have had quite a few people stop by yeah we've had 15 it's a long years. recording, so. Um, but we don't have anyone in the chat right now, so we're going to. We did pre-pick a couple of people, so the winner of so our two winners, the winner of the Goblin Stone uh, giveaway is Grady zero nine zero two seven zero. Congratulations to you, sir. Congratulations, Grady. And the winner of the Lore Smith giveaway is Tech Dev That's awesome. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. But congratulations, you two. You are our winners. I want to rip my shirt off. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys are going to love those adventures. They're both great. Uh, Banquet of the Damned and Claws of Madness are both amazing adventures. Uh, so <laughs> sure. read through them, play through them. Let us know what you think. Shoot us an email. More importantly, shoot Goblinstone and Loresmith emails and yeah, tell let them, them know. what you think. If you love it, go give them a great review. If you don't love it, Shoot tell them an them email why. and tell them why. Tell them yeah. what you think they can improve on. Because you'll hear one of the big gripes that uh, uh, Benoit had that people don't hears, get yeah. negative reviews and why they're negative. Yeah. Um. So he can improve some of the yeah. stuff. Yeah. Especially yeah, because we it hasn't aired yet, but we did an interview with Benoit from Goblin Stone, and yeah, that was one of his big week. things. That yeah, it airs next week. That's one of the things that he would really like to hear are some of the things he can improve on in his future adventures. And yeah. I'm sure Laura Smith is the same, and they'd also right. love that. I so definitely would love that. If yeah, if there's something you don't like or you something you think it could be improved on, let them know. If you just loved it, you thought it was amazing, tell them why you thought it was amazing. Oh, for sure. Um, quick, quick kind of digressing. Uh, Chris from Loresmith, um, he's writing uh, Remarkable Ends, a supplement. And yeah, I saw that. Um, uh, he's asked us to. I saw fill your out, terrible uh, puns. Oh, shut up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that was Justin's <laughs> post, not mine. He asked. Uh, he asked us to. Uh, fill out some of those things so hopefully if oh. he likes those ideas uh, i started writing i brainstormed i got like a i got a whole spider web of brainstorm but um i'm gonna start i started filling some of that stuff in and hopefully he's gonna filter through and if he likes some of the stuff he's gonna pick what he likes and we might get credit into us uh into his book so that would be awesome that'd be sweet yeah be public we could say we're published <laughs> <laughs> or we know somebody who got our name published <laughs> but um so that is our episode that is our episode so please join us on our next episode where we will one hear feedback from some of our heroes and we'll be airing an interview we did with benoit, benoit. i got it i got it 
Benoit de Bernardi. Something like that. He's French. Yes, he's so. He's French. Oui, oui. Parlez-vous français. Benoit de Bernardi. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Maybe. It's ben, ben, I'm not sure. I don't have I French. I know it's Benoit. French. I know it's Benoit. Benoit. Ben. Yeah. It, to us English plebs, it's Benoit de Bernardi, but that's not how it's pronounced. Yeah, and he was very <laughs> sure to correct us on that. In fact, I just took out the whole part where I was trying to pronounce it because I couldn't get it right. Um, but yeah, he's an awesome guy. Again, he's from yes. Go- he's the founder of Goblin Stone. Um, he he had a lot of really good insight on his journey to get where he's at now. Yeah, so and you're really gonna. It's a great love interview. Yeah. Uh, not because of us, because he's awesome. Well, um, it's awesome because. <laughs> Of us, it's great because of him. Right? There you go. There, there you go. go. There you go. Um, so definitely, we hope you enjoyed your experience here at a credit. And our first live recording. And our first live recording. Woo! Which, depending on how it goes, maybe our last. <laughs> well, well, if uh, that's going to be what's unique to Patreon right. uh, donors. So. But yeah, we enjoyed it. I had fun. Well, yeah. I can't speak for both of us. I had fun. Yeah, yeah, you're fucking boring. Yeah. I was kind of feared when you were starting to pull off your shirt at the Hawk song. <laughs> Yep, stop. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed your experience here at Credit Academy, please, uh, you can help others find our show by, you know, leaving a five-star review on iTunes or Libsyn, and be sure to give us a like and a share. You can also, you know, subscribe <laughs> to our, we still have our newsletter, right? Yeah. Yeah, we, you can subscribe to our newsletter. And, it's not really a newsletter. I just send yeah. out stuff occasionally. Yeah, but you can subs- subscribe to us so that we can help you in your future adventures. Um, You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash critacademy. Yes, patreon.com slash critacademy. Um, <laughs> Thank any... you to the wife that just texted that to me and make sure I say it. <laughs> if you haven't, yeah, so be sure to check out our Amazon affiliate links, our Patreon um, check out our uh, social media accounts, Twitter at Crit Academy, Facebook.com slash Crit Academy. Um, shoot us an email at CritAcademy.com or at CritAcademy at gmail.com with any questions you have that you'd like us to answer, any subjects you'd like to hear us discuss. You could just say hi. Yeah, we just like say hi. hi. Say hi. We're listening. We had we like a couple people doing. send us some highs, and I, I like hi. Not yeah. that I'm a drug user, but I like hi. <laughs> we'll respond. You know, we'll respond. We'll respond. We'll say, hey, what's, what's up? Yeah, that's how, how we roll. Yeah, yeah. We're pretty cool. We're sexy sons of bitches. Yeah. yeah, so make sure to uh, not only visit our website, but also the websites of our fellowship members. You know, go check out Laura Smith, Orkin's Lair, and Goblin Stone. They all have some great content. You guys will love it, all of it. For sure. And you'll find some great tools to help enhance your game. Yeah. You made it all through that. Didn't even let me take none of it, huh? You just hog it all? Whatever. <laughs> well, I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ryan. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes. What the hell, dude? We don't have the outro music. <laughs> I do. I just gotta hit play. That's the way it works. Stop. Please stop. Don't do that no more. Nobody wants to hear that. This is awkward. It is. <laughs> That's the way I roll. <laughs>